This week, I chat to actor Karen Gillan about women in action films. Playing these powerful roles, but not wearing kind of like sexy outfits <laughs> was also kind of refreshing. Like it was, um, you know, it's definitely not like the, the male fantasy of a female assassin. Nobody's wearing, you know, tight black, you know, slinky outfits. It's actually like not that at all. And, and my character uh, does not have a love interest either. So it's just heavily focused on these women as people and the fighting that they have to do. I also chat to director Liesl Tommy about her Aretha Franklin biopic respect fasten your seatbelts it's going to be a bumpy night i'm gonna get that gun of mine and i'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot some people call me a freak i hate that word i don't believe in it better yet i don't believe in labels you know i think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. It's lovely to have you here. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and I have two fabulous guests for you today. My first is the director of the new musical film Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson as the great Aretha Franklin. A well-known theatre director, she makes her movie debut. She is Liesl Tommy. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. How are you, Liesl? I'm great. I'm happy to be here talking to you. Oh, well, I'm happy to have seen Respect Finally, a film that we've been so excited about. Congratulations. Thank you. It's, it's a wonderful watch. How is Aretha doing? Aretha's doing all right. Just all right. Singing is sacred, and you shouldn't do it just because somebody wants you to. What's most important is that you are treated with dignity and respect. I learned a lot from this film, and I actually didn't know that her name, her sort of nickname was Re, and the Re, Re, Re in respect is referring to that. That's a lovely moment. Did you know that? I mean, you must have known that ages ago. Yeah, no, I mean, she was called Re or Re, Re, um, you know, by the people who knew and loved her. And, you know, that the part, part of the joy of making this film was just putting together all of those kinds of little details that, you know, were I knew were going to be a revelation to people that they wouldn't know about. Well, it's such a big and fascinating story. Did anything else in particular surprise you when you looked into it? Yeah, I was definitely surprised at how many albums she had that were flops, frankly. Um, yeah. you know, one does expect somebody with her talent to kind of like land in New York and then become a superstar. And that's not what happened for her. And, you know, I was really fascinated with that. I was really interested in the, you know, the film being more about the creation of an icon, um, which is why I was interested in the childhood and her 20s into her early 30s, because that's really when she was constantly put to the test as a woman, as an artist, um, and she had to fight to find her own voice. And that I thought would you know, kind of be a really inspiring um, spine of a film. Well, it definitely resonated with me and a lot of the audience in the room and the big screening I went to um, yesterday. And I was really struck by the response that a lot of women in the audience had, um, particularly um, when you show her standing up to abusive and controlling men. Um, there's some real pivotal moments without spoilers. And there was a huge response to that. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about how you decided to approach that kind of balance between portraying that abuse, but also making another uplifting survivor story? Yeah. 
You know, I think, I definitely think um, being a, a woman filmmaker influenced how I shot some of those scenes of violence because I do feel like I have reached saturation point with seeing women bashed around on on camera. And I've certainly reached saturation point seeing black bodies abused on camera, um, whether it's an iPhone or whether it's a film. And I think that um, when you are showing a woman um, being hurt, you have to be so careful, A, not to exploit the actual subject that you're you know, trying to lovingly portray, um, but also not to re-traumatize the audience. Because what we know from, you know, the Me Too movement, for those of us who didn't know it before, there's a lot of traumatized people out there. There's people, there's a lot of people who have experienced, you know, horrible things. And so one must be responsible, I feel, with how you portray those images. Um, so I was really more interested in the emotional fallout of the violence um, than just, you know, showing punches. I think that's that's a really important thing is that kind of trigger aspect isn't it and um yeah i think i thought you got that balance brilliantly this song goes out to anyone who's ever felt mistreated did you get to meet aretha before you joined the project i didn't she passed on before i was brought on you know and i'm like a crazy fan so which is why i put myself in the film as the fan so i could tell <laughs> her what she meant to me in the movie because i never got to meet her life When did you first hear her music? Do you have, a, do you remember a moment from your childhood? You know, I always say that I first heard her music in the womb because I don't remember <laughs> when I didn't know her music. She was played all the time in my house as a little girl. And I, you know, I, I, I fell in love with her young. I used to like belt out her songs as a small girl. What do you think she represents as a strong black woman? I think she represents integrity. I think she represents, um, you know, a singular focus and advocacy, um, you know, and I also think she, you know, she just represents being true to yourself because even when she was being outrageous, she was still being herself, you know? Yeah, and I think Jennifer Hudson brings that beautifully, which obviously brings us to the casting. Um, she seems like, when you've seen the film, kind of the only person that could have actually done this. How, how do you feel about that? I feel 100% that way. And I also feel like, wow, Aretha Franklin really knew who she was and what was going to be needed to portray her because she picked Jennifer years and years ago. And I was, you know, I'm always kind of astounded at how accurate, um, you know, her choice was ultimately. I guess no one knows better than the woman herself. <laughs> so it's, it's very moving to watch that, isn't it? Knowing that that was her choice. Every day when we were shooting, I would think about that, um, you know, and especially some of the more, the scenes where I would say Aretha Franklin's, um, you know, grief overlapped with Jennifer's real life grief. Those were very powerful moments, you know, because they both lost their mothers um, and they, you know, and it was, it, it's, it's very, very real, you know, what I think it was about Jennifer that Aretha Franklin responded to. I found those scenes very moving. Um, the mother-daughter relationship feels like a very special one. Would you like to speak about that a little more? Yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, Aretha Franklin losing her mom was, you know, was a seminal moment in her life. It, you know, some could say that was like the great heartbreak of her life. 
Um, and of course, we you know we know Jennifer's sad history, but both of them triumphed over these losses. Both of them, um, you know, I think turned these losses into um, you know in, into they became their guardian angels, and they they really trusted their relationships with the, the important women in their lives. Um, and you know, for me as a woman, as a black woman, you know, the 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 mother, auntie, granny sister, cousin, all those women are, you know, they're the ones who are, who, who, who help you in the moments of crisis. And that's definitely true in this movie as well. Yeah. There's a lovely sisterhood feeling with her actual sisters as well. And, and, and I love that, you know, for all their ups and downs, it really feels like, yes, banding together. Exactly. I mentioned the women in the audience having a reaction, but what kind of reactions have you had from people, men and women that have seen the film and that have been touched by it? I mean, I think there's people are, are, it's very emotional, right? The film really, it's funny. I, I like guys are always coming up to me and they're going, I cried three times. Like, you know, that's some kind of unheard of number, <laughs> Which, you know, kind of always cracks me up. But, you know, I actually went set out to make a very emotional film because her music is emotional. I used her music as my kind of guide, guideposts. Her music is emotional. Her, she also has these incredibly triumphant, powerful, you know, songs. And then she has these extremely intimate, vulnerable songs where you really feel like she is singing to you directly. And I wanted all of those elements to be kind of the, the tone of the film. Um, you know, so those moments where we're just alone with Jennifer, like, you know, it's just her and the camera and you find real intimacy, you can experience her vulnerability. And then like the big epic scenes at Madison Square Garden where we're watching her belt out respect. You know, that to me was like the, the kind of pad, pageant of the, of the film. And when people say that they cried or when people say they couldn't stop dancing or, you know, when they felt like, you know, cheered her on in her, her moments of triumph, that to me is when I feel like I did what I set out to do. You mentioned the singing and Jennifer is fantastic at, at all those performances. Um, am, I, am I correct in thinking that she personally sung live and is it 100% is it her voice that we're hearing? Oh, 100% her voice. I mean, yeah. you know, again, coming from the theater, I know the power of the live performance. And so anybody yeah. who had to sing in this film, I cast people who could really sing. You know, that's why you have Audra and you that's why you have um, Titus Burgess and Heather Headley, because people had to everybody had to sing live and everybody had to be able to sing live for hours. And, you know, Jennifer can sing until the cows come home. You know, she that voice is really unbelievable. It never gets fatigued. She has power, every, you know, all along her range. Um, and so this was I knew this was going to be a movie not made in a studio and there was going to be no lip syncing ever. Let's talk a little bit about, about some of the other themes in the film. What were the key elements that you wanted to bring out outside of what we've spoken about? You know, the activism was a big part of, of her journey that I wanted to bring out. 
I also was really, again, coming from, you know, a, a live performance musical background. I wanted there to be a lot of music in the movie. And I wanted to really show the creative process. Sometimes in these in, in music biopics, I feel like we don't really get in there with them. So like with Muscle Shoals, when we're really in there, we're fighting to find the song. The musicians are bickering. The producers are fighting, you know, and, and all of these male voices jockeying for position and at the end and I myself have been the only woman in a room full of, of men in this entertainment business many times um and you know when the when things get stressed or or tense that kind of behavior always happens and then you have to just focus in on the task at hand and you know make it happen and that's what Aretha Franklin does in that muscle show sequence um, so, you know, just like the watching her find her groove and then later on when she's making um, respect in the middle of the night, just her alone at the piano to begin with. And then, you know, her, her sisters come in. That stuff was really important to me was just a, a, the joy of creation that the average person will never have access to in real life. And so I felt like the movie can give you an insight into what that's like. That's very true. I think that's probably accounts for why those were among the most sort of spine tingly moments for me, that sense of just magic coming together and, and you know, history being made. Yeah. It's really special. Uh, it it <laughs> changed music forever with, with the, you know, those songs. curious to know how much of the detail obviously she collaborated on the project and where did all these brilliant brilliant details and, and these kind of stories come from how much is artistic license how much is close to verbatim what she said happened you know it's a combination because of course you never know what the conversation between her and her father was in this scene or that or that, that scene you just know that some of the events you know what some of the events were you don't know you know what some of the private conversations between her and her husband were or her and her sisters so that's where you know tracy the writer we you know we did an enormous amount of research but then you do have to let your artistic self be free and imagine um, you know, what it was that led up to the event that we know is true. What about the depictions of, of racial tension? There's some very tense scenes in which um, she's treated badly and there are sort of casual slurs that she's accepted just kind of suck up. I thought they were very well, well portrayed. How, where did they come from in terms of her story? And obviously was, they felt very authentic to the time. That was very much research. That was very much, you know, there um, like anecdotes that you know that we we had that we then kind of opened up for the film anything that particularly shocked you or were you sadly not surprised um I was shocked that she had um children so young in life for sure 
I was really shocked about that. And it felt important, um, you know, to, to include that in the, in the story, because I think it's, you know, understanding who she was as a girl helps you understand who she was as a woman. Um, How old was she exactly? She looked incredibly young in the film. 12. 12. Yeah. It's interesting that um, without too many spoilers, but she chose to never reveal the father of her children. I think you handled that very well. Did you have any tough decisions to make about how to deal with that? Yeah, no, it was definitely a, a, a trial and error process because, you know, on the one hand, if we didn't, if we didn't kind of deal with it, then the audience kept going, well, who are the, who's the father? Who's the father? Who's the father? You know, it's on the one hand, you only have the information you have. I don't, you know, I, I wasn't able to make DNA tests. So that's the one, you know, the one thing. And then the other thing is also just um, making sure that the movie didn't veer into something um, gross. You know what I mean? Where it just didn't, it didn't become like our, our, our craven curiosity. You know, you still have to, I still felt like I had to make a piece of art and this was also going to be a, you know, part of her legacy. What's next for you? Um, I'm working on, the next film is Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime. Um, so working on uh, that adaptation um, that my friend Lupita Nyong'o will star in. So I'm really looking forward to going home to South Africa to make that film. Oh, amazing. And what would you say to our uh, listeners who are considering going to see Respect? I mean, I really enjoyed it, um, as I mentioned, but um, what do you hope people will get from it? Well, I hope people will um, get to experience the pure joy of her music um, and the passion with which, you know, she sang in her concerts. You know, we can't go to see her in, in concerts anymore, but I hope that you can get a sense of what she brought to her, her, her shows with this film. But also just, you know, I, I found a new love for her um, in making this film when I understood everything that she went through and what she had, you know, that she basically healed herself with her music. I think that's what I always responded to as a little girl and, and, a, and a young woman is that she healed herself and then she healed me. It's a wonderful example. Um, any final messages for our feminist film fan listeners, some of whom love to like movie, make movies themselves? Listen, the thing that I find as a, as a female filmmaker and a feminist female filmmaker at that is that people are, are trying to undermine my confidence every single day. They are living to say no to me. And the thing I will say to my sister filmmakers is just make sure that you are from the beginning building up a foundation of confidence and trust in yourself that nobody can shake because they will try every day of your life. That is fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Liesl. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk oh. to you about respect. You have to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace. That was Liesl Tommy. You can watch Respect in cinemas now. Next up, I'm chatting to an actor who burst onto TV screens in 2010 as the doctor's assistant, Amy Pond. She played the character of Nebula in many a Marvel movie, and she had me in stitches in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. She's currently starring in the action thriller Gunpowder Milkshake, where she plays an assassin. Girls, I think I see a ghost. We need weapons. Give the kill order. I'm going to do terrible things to you girls. We're going to bring the sky down on their heads. The central cast also includes Lena Headey, 
Angela Bassett, Carla Gugino and Michelle Yeoh. So I was very keen to talk to her about this female-focused actioner. Here's Karen Gillen. Karen, lovely to meet you. Welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we're a feminist film podcast and there's a lot of things about this film which I found very refreshing from a female point of view. But for you, when you saw the script, um, what grabbed you as a woman and thought, oh, that'll be so much fun and kind of refreshing to play? There was a few things, actually. Um, The first one was probably just getting to work with a group of women, which is actually pretty rare. (laughs) Like a lot of the times you are the woman in a film. Um, uh, But to have kind of all of the main cast members be women was something I was really excited about because it's just a really it was a really fun dynamic um so that was cool and then I think playing these powerful roles but not wearing kind of like sexy outfits <laughs> was also kind of refreshing like it was um you know it's definitely not like the the male fantasy of a female assassin nobody's wearing you know tight black you know slinky outfits it's actually like not that at all and and my character uh, does not have a love interest either so it's just heavily focused on these women as people and the fighting that they have to do anime This lovely young lady wants to open an account with us. Well, Madeline should have told you that we don't accept new readers without a reference. Madeline had a hunch. Fudge your hunches, if you pardon my French. Technically not French. Always literal? Of course I'm literary, I'm a librarian. Yeah, be that as it may. Florence, dear, would you join us? I'm afraid we need a tiebreaker. Madeline thinks this girl needs to do some reading. I told you I had a hunch. There's something very familiar about her. Hunch smudge. I, on the other hand, think we should dispose of the body and then have a long talk about our onboarding protocols. You know, I can hear you, right? Hush, girl. Don't be rude. You mentioned it's an interesting dynamic with an all-female central cast. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, it was just, I don't know, it felt really nice to be around all of these women that, honestly, I was learning from um, because, you know, they are legendary actresses that I was working with. Um, And when I first signed on, it was just me. And then, like, one after the other, just, like, icons kept joining. And I was like... (laughs) <laughs> oh my god first of all I'm gonna to have to be starstruck this entire film <laughs> but second of all like it's going to be the best acting lesson of my life and I just found that they really taught me a lot and helped me too like there was definitely times where I was like I don't understand why I'm doing this and then like Angela Bassett would explain it to me in the most easy to understand way and I was like oh yeah of course I must walk out of the scene at this time <laughs> um, so it was just nice it felt like I I don't know it just felt like a little close-knit group you know because a lot of it is about sisterhood in the film. Um, are there any particular moments for you in the film without spoilers where you felt it was really significant kind of moments of bonding between what I like is is a very diverse, especially in terms of age, group of women? Yeah, there is definitely a lot of cool moments. I like that there's a lot of different generations within this film. I mean, all the way down to a kid, you know. Um, and so I would say it was fun when we were all together together. Um, in a scene maybe in the library there's moments where you just see all of the women looking really badass talking to each other you're getting glimpses of their past together and then there's a giant fight sequence where we all kind of slightly split up uh, but kind of work together to kind of take down this whole system Uh, and that was 
pretty fun to shoot. There are two things I want to say about that scene. One is I'm so happy to see a shootout with women to Janis Joplin. Amazing. <laughs> Always. <I> mean, <laughs> fantastic. But also I kind of felt at that point, is this kind of almost like a symbolic, you know, women taking on the patriarchy? Do you feel like it's almost an allegory in some ways? Yeah, I definitely think there's something that we're saying there about women kind of banding together to kind of take on a system that's been rigged against them in some way. Um, And they talk about, you know, this is a firm of people who are predominantly men um, who, you know, change the rules when it fits their needs is one of the lines. And so they can't really win either way. And and they've been putting up with it until this moment. Um, She definitely feels pretty current, I would say. It does rather. I mean, do you identify as a feminist currently? Is that sort of big part of your life? A hundred percent. Yes. I do believe in gender equality wholeheartedly. Well, I presume you wouldn't be on Girls on Film if you didn't, or making this film, but it's always worth asking people to stand. Women are rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of interested, actually, because, of course, this is written and directed by men, um, but yet, in many ways, it is a feminist film. I mean, what kind of conversations did you have about gender and character with the director in particular? I mean, the good thing about feminism is that, you you know, men can be feminists too. Um, and I would definitely say that um, our director, Navot, who wrote and shot the film is such a feminist he you know he created these characters for us to play he didn't put us in outfits that you know are typical of those types of movies he just kind of really listened to us and really followed our lead with what we felt about the characters I remember even like some of the actresses saying like I think that I should say completely different lines here and he would be like okay and we would talk about it he would completely take that on board and um yeah he was definitely someone who was just nothing but supportive towards all of that that's interesting because we've spoken to quite a few actresses on girls on film who find that directors tend to be a little bit more receptive these days I mean I'm sure it depends on the person but receptive to women going look I don't think this is how a woman would behave in this situation and then kind of adapting Mm it do you think things are changing in that in that regard yeah I do think so um I think that just the awareness in general has Mm -hmm. like really changed over the last couple of years just you know it's um, I mean there's obviously still a lot of work to do but like the conversations we're now having and and women just being listened to so much more um is so exciting actually so yeah and and that definitely that that happened on this film where you know female cast members were kind of putting other ideas forward and those are in the movie um so that was really cool to see it definitely feels like things are going in the right direction amen to that um now i have to ask you obviously it's an action-packed film any incidents or accidents or humorous <laughs> moments that you can share with us god there was probably loads in rehearsals yes i remember kicking someone in the balls <laughs> so bad he's the sweetest guy as well he was also a former marine so he's probably fine (laughs) (laughs) he's probably been kicked in the balls before he can handle it (laughs) yeah first rodeo (laughs) what were the what were the challenges for you obviously you've done a lot of action before but were there any particular challenges yeah I mean this was the hardest um, action film I've ever been in just in terms of the amount of action it's pretty non-stop and uh, just the the stuff I was having to do like it was really in Inventive, the action sequences like I was using all sorts of different objects as weapons stuff I've never seen used before in films there's one sequence where I lose the use of my arms and so I have to fight three guys without my arms which turned out really cartoonish and in a cool way I think um so that was just like something I've never even seen before let alone done so 
that was, yeah, it was a huge challenge physically. That was really inventive. And also um, you're saying about the guns and without giving too much away, some of the guns are hidden in books in this library. And mm. I like the way that they use female authors to symbolize the different kind yeah. of guns. And, yeah. I know, <laughs> did you I enjoy know, that I part of it? Cool. Yeah. I, I did, yeah. When I was reading the script, I thought that was really cool. Um, <laughs> I like it when she, she's looking for ammo and it's in the self-help section. I need to exchange some books. Come. Scarlet's kid. How is your mother? I haven't seen her in 15 years. Mom! Let's get you into a good book. You'll need a Jane Austen. A Virginia Woolf. And an Agatha Christie. For reading. Sam, your talents are needed. Somebody stole from us. He's crazy enough to steal from the firm. Is it done? There's a change of plan. They have an eight-year-old girl. I can't leave her to die. In terms of examples for young people, obviously you can't watch this film if you're too young, but I think it's really important to have action heroines of exactly what you were describing. Where do you think um, we're going with that? Do you think things are really moving on in terms of that kind of representation? I think we're we're taking steps in the right direction. I think we're starting to realise that maybe the action genre isn't just for men. Like, I think there is this assumption that men like to watch action movies, so let us just either have male-led action movies or, like, super sexy women-led action movies. <laughs> and it's like, actually, me and all my girlfriends love a good action film. And so it's not really uh, just a male space. It's um, it, it doesn't matter what gender you are, I think. And so, uh, so I think people are starting to realize that now. We're starting to get films that aren't just sort of catered to the male gaze. And your character, I would describe as complex. Would you agree? And could you say a little bit more about her with that in mind? Yeah. I mean, I think she's complex because she's not your typical stoic assassin like she has that element to her almost as if it's an act though I think that like in my mind she has to put on the character of assassin when she's doing her job to seem intimidating and stuff but you know she was abandoned by her mother for reasons that we learn later in the film and so She's been really, really affected by that. Um, with all sorts of feelings plague her of unworthiness. Was I not worth sticking around for? Like all of these emotions are bubbling under the surface and there's a lot of anger towards the whole situation too. So that comes out when she's fighting, which lends itself to extremely angry, violent fight sequences. And then also there's emotional vulnerability there when she's confronted with any kind of abandonment, I think. No matter who it is, she has the reaction that she had to her mother leaving her. And so there was a lot for me to play with there. Finally, what have you got next? Quite a lot of big things, right? I've got Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, and then I'm about to start the next Guardians of the Galaxy film, same character. And then I just filmed the um, the new Judd Apatow comedy film, which was so much fun. Oh, brilliant. Well, we can't wait to see that. Will you come back on Girls on Film and tell us all about it? I would love to. Yay. Well, thank you so much, very much for joining us today. And we will speak to you again soon. Thanks a lot, Karen. Thank you so much. Bye. If I get out of this alive, I'm coming for you. You are an incredibly impressive young woman. There's not a single person on earth I'd rather kill people with. Thanks, Ma. That was Karen Gillen. Gunpowder Milkshake is in cinemas and on Sky Cinema now.
Thanks for listening to Girls on Film and thanks to those who've reached out to us lately. Vicky Ward dropped us a line about our bumper interview episode number 90. She says, I absolutely love the latest Girls on Film. What an inspiring group of wonderful women. We also heard from Raki Chauhan, who came to our live show at London Podcast Festival. She took the recommendation of our guest, Chinenye Ezadu, and she watched the film Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And it's fair to say she loved it. Raki says, I long for the matriarchal world the film depicts. For a few short days, there is equality, respect, love and harmony. It's a beautiful depiction of complex, rounded women, showing the daily occurrences in women's lives without fuss or comment, just as they are lived now and so rarely talked about, let alone seen on screen. The film has opened a desire in me to be as seen as the women in this film truly see each other. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is on movie now. And you can hear our interviews with the cast in episode 90. You can also hear Chinenye Ezadu discuss the film in episode 91. Our next set will take a feminist look at the new Bond film, No Time to Die. And we also have another live show in Belfast on the 30th of October 2021 at the Cinemagic Film Festival. Go to cinemagic.org.uk to book tickets or you can find the details on our socials. If you'd like to get in touch with Girls on Film, then you can find us on social media and you can also email us at girlsonfilmsocial at hlaagency.co.uk. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, assistant producer Heather Dempsey, audio producer Eliana J, and principal partner Peter Brewer. Thank you so much for joining me, Anna Smith, and my guests, Liesl Tommy and Karen Gillen. Stay safe. See you soon. I'd like you to call me Miss Franklin.